0: Welcome to the CRISPR revolution. You're listening to CRISPR Cuts, the podcast that's all about genome engineering. Whether you're on your commute, working in the cell culture lab, or enjoying a cup of coffee, we have a range of conversations with CRISPR experts to interest and inspire you. Join us as we discuss the applications of this cutting edge science. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Synthego's Crispr Cuts podcast. I'm Dr. Beck Roberts, science writer here at Synthego and I'm joined today by Dr. Kevin Holden, Synthego's Vice President of Science and my podcast co-pilot. Today it's my pleasure to introduce some very special guests, Dr. Imran House and Dr. Junyun Lai from Australia's leading immuno-oncology company OncoInate. This is really a bit of a crossover episode because Imran has actually spoken with Synthego a few times before so you actually might be familiar with Imran, if you're watching or listening. I also work with Imran and June doing some science writing for Onco Innate, so I know they're working on some amazing science, and I can't wait for them to tell you more about it. Let's get started. Firstly, maybe you can each tell us a little bit about your scientific background and your roles at Onco, and maybe Imran, you can tell us how you and Kevin know each other as well.
1: Are you a start, June?
2: Yeah, sure. Okay. Hi, I'm June. So I started in Onco in February. I'm currently a senior scientist at the company, and my background expertise is more cancer therapy. Basically, I've worked on antibody cancer therapies and CAR T cells. And recently with Onco, I'm working on functional genomics screening. Thank
1: yeah. I'm also a senior scientist here at Onco, and similar background in June in working CAR T cell therapy, but also focusing specifically specifically, understanding cytotoxic lymphocytes, so cells that are important in killing and eliminating virally-infected cells and also cancerous cells. Bumped into Kevin many years ago in 2017, it feels like a lifetime ago, when working on a lab that was focused on understanding primary immune deficiencies, and it was pretty early days there for editing of immune cells. And Cytigo was this new, exciting company that I hadn't heard about, and, and Kevin was instrumental in... Helping us edit some of those really early cells and providing us the reagents to do that. And so, Synthigo is a huge part of my development in the the career at that stage.
3: Yeah. It's been great. (laughs) Great to see you again, Imran. Nice to meet you, June. So, Imran, can you go into more depth about Onco and the company's goals? Yeah. So,
1: Onco Innate is a biotech startup that was founded by Nicholas Huntington and Jamie Chowler, who met during their academic work and in their academic work there work was focusing on understanding NK cell biology and how they can be exploited for the treatment and elimination of cancers and their role in, in protecting us from cancers in the first place as well so the company has focused on developing immunotherapies with it primarily an NK cell focus in the, in the first place but now a much broader company looking at a range of all immune cells and how the immune system can be used to treat cancer yeah
0: so yeah Imran, maybe you can talk a little bit about what it's like leaving academia for industry. I know a lot of people have doubts about making that jump. How did you feel about it? And do you have any advice for people who are considering the shift?
1: Yeah, we both made that shift fairly recently. In the last 12 months, two years, I guess, we both made that same shift, same background. So, yeah, jump June, if there's anything I missed there. But, yeah, it was especially when you set your goals in your career to go out and become a lab head, it was, and then you find yourself taking a different path, it's quite a big change. But, I was nervous at first because obviously you're changing the way that you're going about doing the science. And I think maybe this is a bit more of an Australian thing. There's not a whole lot of people doing that in Australia at this point, but jumping into biotech industry and the biotech startup industry. But having made the jump, I have not looked back since uh, so the way that we are able to do science and still check, pursue our passions. But, you know, in the really very fast paced way and a way that really makes a lot of sense is it's pretty cool so <laughs> something yeah, pretty nerve-wracking at first but probably the best professional decision I've ever made easily
2: yeah if I were to add on on that I think the great thing right now is so I think in academia there's always a lot of other things apart from your research itself so like things like mentoring people presenting at conferences and all these other things that you need to do but what I like about uh, working at Onco right now and I, I guess broadly more in industries that you get to really focus on the science. Like, yeah. So your your main objective is really to get things going. And I think Onco has been really supportive of that. And we have been able to recruit really good people. like They are like very confident in their own team and, and sort of work together. And I think that is why we enjoy working here, you know, mm. just being able to focus on the science and not have to worry about the other things about.
3: Can I just ask a follow up question for you guys? Also understanding your move from academia to industry, Onco, I understand it is a smaller company. So it's more of a startup feel. Just wondering if that factored into your decision or comfort level into going into industry and maybe Imran kind of seeing over the years since we've interacted, Synthego, going from a small startup company into a larger company, if that influenced your decision at all?
1: Yeah, I think it does, because I don't know if this is true of every biotech, I should say, but it's certainly true of Onco, is that you have that opportunity to get in at that early point and really make that change yourself. And so, whether it be scientifically, but even outside the science, that you've got really got that fertile ground of a growing company that you can be a big part of, and that's a super exciting part of it. Now, I don't know if you go and join, I don't know, I should say at all, if you go and join a bigger company, whether you can make that same level of impact, probably you can. But it really feels here in every aspect, whether it be communications, some of the stuff I'm doing with Beck, on the beer committee, these kind of like <laughs> important impacts you can have in a company that you might not be able to have on a bigger team, a bigger company.
2: Yeah, I think it has been quite amazing <laughs> from my perspective is that you see a lot of people on the team, they're more scientist background, but the kind of people think they've had to do to make this company working, I think that's like really cool and and I think you have to be really nimble as a startup company, but I think that's the really exciting point. You get to be really involved in, you get to learn a lot of different things apart from your research. But yeah, it's been very impressive to see how a lot of people have been able to learn completely new things out of their comfort zone to make this company work.
0: So June, I know that you have an advanced CRISPR-based functional genomics platform at Onco. And that's the team that you currently work in. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, how does your screening platform address some of the common challenges in immuno-oncology screening?
2: Yeah. So Onco actually started as a primary NK cell screening company. And I think, as Imran mentioned, like the expertise has been on NK cells. So I think from my knowledge, we are among the first to be able to conduct primary cell NK screening in in a very large scale. And we have been able to set up really robust assays, um, looking at different functionalities of NK cells. And what we have also been able to do is to create a very robust bioinformatic pipeline to be able to go very quickly from hits to understanding the biology to see you know, what hits you are looking at, what sort of phenotypes, what sort of functionality are you looking at. And I think that that makes us really, if we say, like a lead in, in this area. And so right now, what we have done is also to kind of expand beyond NK to look at T-cells. So in our team, we are very involved in looking at setting up different sorts of T-cell assays, and we are very interested in trying to understand what sort of different assays are important to identify the good hits that that we can then test in vivo, the things that would really help to enhance anti-tumor efficacy.
3: Yeah, June, you answered my next question a little bit there, but maybe I can switch over to, to Imran and just kind of ask you, for people who have known about the company for a little while, it might seem from the outside at least that you're primarily at Onco, an NK, natural killer cell therapy company. But actually, you do have a modality agnostic approach these days, and maybe you can go into yeah. a bit more detail about what type of therapies you're working on. Yeah,
1: so you're right. It did start with NK cells and that is a conception that people have probably But, you know, if you look at both June to my CV, the word NK doesn't come up very often. So you could say that the scientists, that they've gone and actively recruited, have a much broader range of skills. Obviously, T-cells, but then also myeloid cells. It really, every immune cell has a role to play in treating cancer and defending us from cancer. So it makes sense to have fingers in all of those pies. But yeah, so we, as June touched on, T-cells is, is a big focus. And we also are focused on therapies that can broadly activate a, r- a range of different immune cells and enhance their capacity to kill cancer cells and screen and explore their biology as well. So, yeah, it's not just NK cells. It's now every cell we can focus the sticker.
0: So, Imran, what are the main obstacles in CRISPR editing of primary human immune cells? Yeah,
1: there's, there's a lot of obstacles. I think the biggest one is that every immune cell has its own challenges so it's not every time you come to a different cell type you have your own setup and your own things like electroporation conditions but the biggest challenge and i'm going to ask this in a very specific way for, for the immunologist listening is that when you edit you affect the phenotype you're looking for and so a lot of immune cells have to be activated generally to edit efficiently so it's you know t- looking t cells or b cells other cells are edited through macrophages as well you kind of can't just you know if you take a tumor line zap the cells put them back into culture they're fine a lot of cells anyway but with immune cells they often need some kind of stimulus and by providing that stimulus you've already pushed them down one pathway on the next right and so you have to be very very clever and considerate in the way that you're able to edit your cells you know there's some been some really great work actually from Ian in parish's lab where they're able to edit naive t-cells and not affect their phenotype and then you're able to explore a new range of biology so i think that the complicated part is considering your question and how your editing is going to affect your ability to answer that question.
3: Just as a follow-up, June, maybe can you tell us a little bit about doing CRISPR editing in vivo in the the tumor microenvironment and some of the difficulties and challenges you face with that?
2: So I think one of the biggest challenges is cell numbers. Every library, you are always thinking about cell numbers. How do you get enough representation of your guide library? And I think That is even more so, especially when you're working with very rare populations, when you talk about immune cells, sometimes they are not the, if you look into a tumour, they are not the predominant cell, you know, it's the tumour that's like the predominant cell. So that is one challenge itself. And I think another issue is that often we would have to use things like the Cas9 mouse, which we know that Cas9 is really immunogenic and, you know, it can kind of skew your results in a way. But what we have been able to do so like in our previous um, academic setting, and it's actually recently published by, by Imran as first author, and corresponding, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that um, we, we have been able to perform editing using electroporation and cas casknife, and so what we've done that with bone marrow cells, so we've been able to elegantly show, okay, if you knock out certain genes in the bone marrow and use a combination with different types of transgenic mice, you can specifically knock out certain genes in your immune cell population of interest. So I, I think that's pretty cool
0: with,
2: yeah. It's a neat way of doing it. <laughs> yeah. So while we're on the topic of CRISPR, can you
0: tell us about the importance of CRISPR in this field of research, like both to Oncoinate and then to the immuno-oncology field more broadly? Like, Would this kind of unbiased target selection even be possible without a gene editing tool like CRISPR? No,
1: not as quickly as you can now, like I <laughs> you definitely not. I think the impacts of CRISPR, you know, the whole scientific world has been enormous, but in immunology, it's from a research perspective, like the work that you're kind of doing enormous, the way that you're able to knock out and define the roles of genes very rapidly is, is huge. But then also you know, I think probably the biggest impact it's going to have is maybe in the CAR T cell therapy space and, and, you know, adoptive cell therapy space, whether you're able to delete genes, that can negatively regulate T cell function or anti cancer function. So, you can super boost them, as some of these edits, as some of these cells to kill cancer cells. So, I think that's probably in our work, in more broadly in the field, the biggest application of
2: CRISPR. Yeah, so I think, like in terms of biology, like, like you mentioned, is that like you, you can rapidly knock out genes and ask specific questions. Whereas, in the past, if you are interested in a particular gene, you would need to go down that path of generating a transgenic mouse and all those things. So, Having CRISPR is, is been really useful because, you know, you can bypass this sort of time frame and, and be able to address your questions very rapidly in a very specific manner.
0: Okay. So I know that you're working on cytokine therapies. That's one of your main areas. So maybe you could fill us all in on the current landscape of cytokine therapies for cancer and how Onco is overcoming some of those obstacles.
1: Yeah, jump in June if I miss anything obvious, but yes, yeah, so cytokine therapy. Cytokines are obviously really potent signals that regulate the immune system, um, the chemical signals that regulate the immune system, and essentially cytokine therapy works by taking these signals, making them in the lab, and delivering them into a patient with cancer. And in preclinical models, it really is quite extraordinary how, if you're selecting the right cytokine, you have really, really strong anti-tumor function. So cytokines like IL two, IL twelve super super strong anti-tumor function when we're delivering these in Indian animal models there's a lot of challenges though with these therapies and and the biggest one probably is toxicity so these obviously are signals that are meant to be in homeopathic doses within the body and we take a whole bunch of it and dump it under someone's skin in the needle so there's consequences for that so there's a few different ways that people have gone about making these therapies more safe and One of those things is making sure that they are delivered to the tumour effectively. That's one strategy that people have taken. There's simple things you can do like extending their half-life, which has a range of different benefits and that you could potentially deliver lower doses and it stays around in the body for a much longer period of time. And the other thing you can do, and one of the things we're focused on, is you can actually reduce the affinity of a cytokine for its its cognate receptor. And by doing that, you get immune activation, but it's less potent. So potentially if you couple that with some of these other strategies we've talked about and you can get a cytokine that could use as a therapeutic, you can activate immune cells in a regulated way and in a specific way. And so you have those nice strong anti-tumor functions while eliminating a lot of the toxicities associated with cytokine therapies. Yeah. And that's some of the stuff that we're focusing on here. Ronco. It's really exciting work.
3: Yeah. It sounds really interesting, Emran. Maybe you can tell us, obviously there's a bit of a juggling act when it comes to like, making sure the cytokine levels are correct in a patient. How far away do you think we could be from a potential clinical trial for one of these types of therapies?
1: Yeah, from us, there are in clinical trials in other parts of the world. For us, it's certainly not going to be by the end of the week. It's probably a, a lot sooner than you'd think as well. So Melbourne, uh, Australia, Melbourne particularly, is a really exciting and awesome place to be running these kind of clinical trials. We have extraordinary facilities that are currently running immunology trials was a huge amount of experience, and we have the capacity to hook into that, that kind of work sooner rather than later. And on top of that, we have some very exciting collaborations with people in the States. And I think it's exciting to see how quickly this work is actually going to have the potential to be seen in the clinic. So yeah, watch this space.
3: Can you talk about specifically like what types of indication those trials might be directed at Yeah.
1: Not specifically, but I think in general, immunotherapies have worked. I'm not saying this is exclusively what we would be focusing on, but immunotherapies are generally targeted towards immunogenic cancer types. So these are the cancers that can be seen by the immune system. So examples so are melanoma, lung cancer. So they're, you know, brain cancer. The, the, these things make sense to go after, but it, we're definitely not restricted to that. And that's one of the things I'm excited about: the cytokine therapy. Is that I think we have the capacity to go broader than those range of tumor types. So, you know, tumors that have not conventionally been considered treatable with immunotherapy, we could probably start to hook into some of those cancer types. I don't know if you had anything to add there.
2: I think that's good what you think. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of interest around um, cytokine therapy in general, like not just us, but also in the field. But I think what we really have is a team of like really strong protein biologies and immunologies just to kind of. Really marry that knowledge from protein biology to the immunology side, and also like the bioinformatics to kind of make sense of all these things. So yeah, I think it's a very exciting time for us. Yeah, that's true.
1: I don't want to brag too much about Anko, but you're right. It's the best part is that like you go able to tinker from the biochemists to bioinformaticians and bounce back from the immunologists to you know doing it in the lab, but also on the animal studies. It's just it's a very rapid way of honing in on your
3: targets. It's cool. Imran, just as a follow-up, just kind of curious, actually, for both of you, how you kind of see the field progressing at the moment with respect to immunotherapies, particularly recently there was some news about some issues around some of the CAR-T therapies and just kind of want to see like what your broad perspective is on those particular issues and maybe some of the issues facing these types of therapies in the market.
2: Yeah. So you mean the issues with using CAR-T cells for cancers?
3: Exactly, Um, yeah.
2: I think this field still has a lot to, to learn and, and a lot to grow. I mean, like both of us coming from CAR T cell labs and having followed the field for the past five years before we moved to Onco, I, I think there's still a lot of things that we really do not know about CAR T cells. And of course, like the targeting the B cell cancers, they, that's like really advanced, but you start to see that there are also some issues. But you know, that's also kind of like lessons that we can learn um, from like, when we think about CAR T cells uh, treatment in solid cancers. So yeah, I, have, I think still a lot of challenges ahead, and I mean, in the company, we are also interested, you know, in this space, but lots of things that we are learning about. Yeah, yeah.
1: I have a controversial opinion on CAR T cell therapy. Maybe I'll just say it's my 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 own opinion, but it's I, I feel like we're we're not going to outsmart biology, right? And I feel like CAR T cell therapy often tries to. Now, of course, it's been extraordinary therapy in the treatment of some key cancer types. Let's just put that there, but. The immune system, if you're able to more broadly activate the immune system and let it figure the problem out, I think you've got more chance of treating a broader range of cancers. And so that's why you know stuff like cytokine therapy and other stuff that we're working on here at Onco, that's the stuff that really excites me. And I think that's the stuff that will have the longevity. You know, like checkpoint blockade is a good example of that. Letting the immune system, just taking the brakes off and letting the immune system do its thing is a really extraordinary way of, of treating cancers. So I'm excited in that space the most.
0: So just on the same sort of topic of other cell therapies for cancer, if you found a target in your screening process and it could affect CAR T cells, for example, how do you decide whether it's better to make the edit in those cells and create a cell therapy or use a small molecule to
2: target that?
1: That's a great question. Yeah.
2: So I think that is definitely one of the things that we're trying to address with our our functional genomic screening. So not just on the T cells, we are also trying to understand how like certain drugs, they impact the tumor cells themselves. And very often you will find small molecules, drugs that are affecting tumor cells, but also enhancing T cell function. So that's definitely something that we are looking at when we are looking for targets. And I think that information will be critical when you think about whether you want to do more of a CRISPR-based targeting of your T cells versus if you are looking at more like small molecules. That's a very good question. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And
0: again, like on a related note, I know that cytokines can be, you know, monotherapies, but do you think it's more likely that they will be used in the future as monotherapies or as adjuvants for things like CAR-T or chemo or something like that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to find out the answer to that. But Yeah, I don't know. I'll let the biology do that work. I think it's entirely possible that it could be. From our animal models, they certainly work very well by themselves, but humans are complicated things, but
2: yeah. Yeah, I, I think it depends on the cancer types that you, you are thinking about targeting, like certain cancers like for perhaps, like, that maybe you need additional ways to boost the immune system. I think there's also interest of not just like uh, other people, but also us in thinking about you know ways that we can kind of make perhaps sensitize inner cells a bit more to cytokine therapy. And you know, I think that's probably like one of the ways when you think about combination. So I think both ways, like it really right. depends on how, like the biology, how it goes, you know, and then think about what is the rational way of approaching it.
3: I know we've spent a lot of time talking about like cancer-based therapeutics, and then clearly here cytokine type therapies and kind of on a basic biology level, when we think about cytokines, it's like communication, cell to cell communication. Any thoughts about where maybe you could take a platform like the one you've developed next in other types of biotherapeutic areas for Onco?
1: That's a great question. I I think anything that the immune system is involved in, there's an application here for that. And so autoimmunity is the first one that comes to mind. Obviously cytokines play a critical role in driving disease in those cases. So if you're smart about which cytokines you use and the way you target them, you could definitely play a huge role in a range of different immune regulated dis- disorders yeah
0: well that's really interesting to hear and i'm sure we'll be excited to see how that goes if you turn your hand to other therapies as well so just as we wrap up we always like to ask our guests a less career-oriented question like something fun about themselves so when you're both not trying to cure cancer what do you get up to in your spare time if you have any june i
2: know that you like
0: to cook <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, like cooking and baking, yeah, I all like I don't know,' like one of my main jobs is like to try and be a good mom. <laughs> I like, yeah. it, it's I think it's, it's' quite challenging, a lot of things to learn, um a lot of challenges at different phases. So like, I have a twenty month um old daughter, yeah, and I think also it's been like quite tough because, like we don't really have family help here, so, my husband and I is just asked, yeah, I think it's really learning, <laughs> but but I mean, I, I don't regret any part of it. and I think, one of the things that I really appreciate about Onco is that I guess because the company has a lot of other young parents with young kids as well, there's a bit of understanding and empathy when you need to be more of a parent. You know? So I, I really appreciate that.
1: Yeah. And I've been just spending most of my free time renovating my home. So <laughs> being, being at home for <laughs> about March. And I think since then, I've been able to take maybe $200,000 off the value of the home. So it's been really successful <laughs> <intense all> year. <laughs>
3: So, yeah, it's wow. going well. Yeah. <laughs> Remind well, me
0: okay, not well. to hire you when I need someone to do regulations yeah. at my place.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, great. So before we go, maybe Imran and June, did you want to direct people to your social handles or to the website so that people can see more of what you're doing?
1: Yeah, well, we've got a new fancy website for the company, which is pretty cool. So you can come and see, read a lot about all the different work that we've got going on. There's quite a lot of detail there now. So it's just onco-nate, onco with a K, And just, yeah, go have a look at all that. It's pretty
2: cool stuff. And I guess you can also find us on Twitter. Yeah, to, uh, yeah. it's yeah. X now. Oh, sorry, it's X, yeah. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> yeah, so my handle is um, Junior night.
1: Mine's Susie Runhouse, so you can find us on Twitter. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Thanks.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both
0: so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a really great chat. It's nice to hear about the use of CRISPR in immuno oncology because we don't get to cover that a lot. And also to get an Australian perspective on cytokine therapies and other novel approaches to cancer treatment. Good luck with all your research, and I'm sure we'll be seeing great things from OncoNate in the future. And thanks as well to everyone watching and listening who supports the CRISPR Cuts podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you.
3: Yeah, thank you guys. It's great to see you, Emer. We'll talk soon. Great to see you too.
0: Thanks for listening to CRISPR Cuts. We'll be announcing future guests in advance through LinkedIn and X, and we'd love it if you submit some of your own questions in the comments section so that we can get the answers that you really want on a particular topic. Please check out Synthigo's amazing blog, The Bench, for more fantastic CRISPR content. And if you have any feedback on the podcast, feel free to email us at crisprcuts at Synthigo.com. CRISPR Cuts is a scientific podcast by Synthigo, produced by Kevin Holden, me, Beck Roberts, and Mike Molnar. Our cover art is by Jeff Merritt. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.